Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. How are you guys doing? Wow, you guys are more awake than I am, I think. I'll start my timer so I don't go too long. Uh, I actually, I I didn't think I was going to be here today. That's actually the truth. Uh, My family, we came down with a bad stomach virus earlier in the week. And... uh, my, my wife can attest to that. It was, we were sick. I don't need to give you lots of details, but we were sick. And uh, Wednesday night, I, I messaged Michael and I said, hey, might be a good idea to come up with a backup plan because it is not looking good. I was so sick. And uh, Michael is really cool about that, extremely gracious, no problem. We'll come up with a plan B. Uh, but luckily, I'm, I'm Pretty much, I'm, I am better. I'm a little bit weak still, but I, I, I'm, I, uh, but I started thinking about, this is true. You guys might think I'm just making a joke, but it's funny now thinking about it, but I, it might be a blessing in disguise that I got sick this week because some of you know, I am terrified of public speaking. It is, <laughs> I, I am. I, I've had panic attacks growing up. It started when I was in seventh grade and Generally speaking, which I have to preach a lot in my life, and not only preach, but I have to preach in Portuguese, which is even worse. Uh, but I, I don't sleep at night. It keeps me up at night. But this week, that did not keep me up at night. What literally kept me up at night was wondering, will I be able to get through the sermon without running to the bathroom? And that was a, that was a genuine fear in my mind. I think we're going to make it. I think we're going to be good. Uh, if not, if I run off the stage, you guys know why. And uh, sound guys, if you could just mute my microphone, please. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm playing. I'll be fine. Uh, it's a little bit strange being here. Um, this was the church that sent, sent us to Brazil. And my parents planted this church uh, uh, my parents were Danny and Penny Meyer. My brother, JT, was a pastor here. Um, but like, a, it's strange preaching here for a few reasons. One, it's strange preaching in English. It is. I, I'm, I'm still more comfortable with English than I am Portuguese, but I don't preach in English ever. So this, if I a few Portuguese words slip out, I'm sorry. But also, it's strange too. Like I said before, I, I've always had a huge fear of, public speaking. And I've, I've sat in this place and watched my parents preach here hundreds and hundreds of times. I watched my brother preach here many times. Even my sister was a guest preacher here one week. And I, I, like last night I was sitting there and I had this clear memory sitting over there watching my brother preach, my little brother, and thinking, I never, I'm never going to do that. I never want to do that. I have no desire to do that. And I'm never going to do it. Well, <laughs> it's just the way that God works sometimes. Here I am. And uh, like you're going to kind of hear through my talk today, God likes a, a good redemption story and likes to turn our weaknesses into strengths. 
Um, but today, uh, as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about, I, Michael told me maybe a month ago, uh, three weeks ago or so, hey, I, I, I'm going to give you this week. I, wanna, I would like you to preach. So I began to think about, well, what do I want to talk about? I mean, I have one week. Do I just share information about what we're doing in Brazil? Do I do a regular sermon? What do I do? I actually began to work on a sermon, uh, but it just, it just didn't feel right. And so I, I was sitting down with my mom. Many of you guys know my mom uh, and love my mom. She's amazing. But uh, I was sitting down with her and I said, hey, mom, what do you think I should preach on? And she said, well, Christopher, this is my best Texan accent. <laughs> I think you should share your testimony. And I said, Mom, I, I don't want to share my testimony. And not because I'm ashamed of my testimony, but a lot of people there already have heard a lot of my testimony. I've heard bits and pieces of my testimony. So I, I just don't want to be redundant. I don't want to repeat things they've already heard. And she said, well, okay. But I, from, <laughs> so I was resistant towards that. But from that moment forward, I, I kept on having people come up to me and want to hear about my testimony, and even people who have heard my testimony. And I've been visiting small groups, sharing information of what we're doing in Brazil right now. But when we get to the question and answer time, almost every single small group wants to hear about my testimony. And uh, so I just kept on feeling like God was confirming it. Actually, uh, I think I saw Bonita Kaufman right there. Yeah, she sent me a message that really, I just let you know, it spoke to me and you just encouraged me and said, you know, Christopher, I've heard your testimony, but every time I hear it, God speaks to me and it applies to my life. Even my life is very different than yours. And from that moment on, just so you know, I decided, okay, God, I'm gonna share my testimony with the church. But I'm not going to start <laughs> as a kid. I'm going to start, basically, I'm going to tell the story of how I got to Brazil, but it's a long story. And I'm going to fly through years because it starts when I was 16 years old. And so I can't give you every bit of information. So if there's anything I'm leaving out, which I probably will forget a few things, or I've, there might be something you're confused about, you can, you're welcome to come and ask me after the service. I'm an open book. I don't mind sharing. But when I was 16 years old, I w it was my first time I visited Brazil. And I went with my dad on a short-term uh, team like Michael's about to do. And it was a great trip. It was adventurous. It was exciting. And at the time, I didn't know it, but I really do believe that God spoke to me when I was 16. As, as a plug for these short-term trips, I encourage you parents, maybe next year, to think about bringing teenage kids to these trips. I've watched over and over again, it changed the life of teenage kids, these short-term trips. And I, it changed my life. But from then, from then on, I just could not get Brazil out of my mind. I just thought I really liked it. I didn't realize God was putting that on my heart. So fast forwarding a few years, I was 19 years old and 19 is when I really believe I began to really walk with the Lord. Now, before 19, I considered myself a Christian and I went to church, and, but it was when I was 19, it really became personal to me. It became important to me. And just to paint a picture for you guys, when I was 19 and I started walking with the Lord, my life was great. It was awesome. And I'm, that's how I felt. Everything 
was going well in my life. Uh, everything I did in ministry worked great. I was starting small groups at 19, and the groups were growing, and we were splitting groups and starting new groups. Everything was going great. I was witnessing, I was sharing my faith with a lot of people, and I was watching a lot of people begin new relationships with Jesus from conversations I had with them. It was awesome. And also, my personal life was great too. I, I, at that point, being popular was somewhat important to me, which I don't know if I would have admitted it, but it was. And I was a pretty popular guy. I was a musician playing in bands, and my bands were getting big, and we were doing little tours. It was, it was awesome. And, but I, again, I could not get this thought of Brazil out of my mind. I just kept on thinking about Brazil. So what I decided was, well, I'm going to go down to Brazil for three months, two and a half, three months and feel it out and see if missionary work is what God has for me. Because at that point in my life, I sincerely believed with my, all of my heart that I was ready to follow God wherever he led me. I believed that. Lord, I, I, I remember thinking of myself as Paul. I will die for you. I will go anywhere to the ends of the earth. As long as you call me there, I will follow you anywhere. So I, I go to Brazil. I'm there for these three months. And one thing came extremely evident while I was in Brazil. I was not ready for it. And I was not ready to follow God anywhere. And that's a hard thing to admit to yourself, but I knew it was true. Sure, I, I could have said, yes, I could, I'll move here. And I could have moved, but I knew I will be miserable. Because the problem was, I wasn't ready to follow God anywhere. I wasn't ready to give up all the amazing things that were happening in my life at that point. I wasn't ready to move to a country and live out in the middle of the jungle and leave all these things behind. I just wasn't. But it really didn't, wasn't really about Brazil in that moment. It was just about, I knew I wasn't ready to follow God anywhere he asked me to go. But this thought, it kind of haunted me. It bothered me because I wanted to be there. I don't know if you've ever been there or if you see somebody who's living a life where they just seem so close to, to God or they're doing something amazing and you think, I want to be there, but I know I'm not there. How do I get there? I don't know if you've had those thoughts. I'll be honest, I've had many of those thoughts about my mom as she's, walking, as she's walked through her cancer right now. Her faith is just amazing. I don't get it, but I want to get there. But I, many of us can relate to that. But I remember, at 20 years old, it's actually still surprising to me that I, I, I was aware of that in myself, but I was. And so maybe I'm a little bit dramatic. I'm not exaggerating the story. This is exactly what happened. I was, it, it was about two weeks before I headed back to the States from Brazil. And I was just wrestling with this thought like, I am pathetic. You just, you can't follow God anywhere. <laughs> like you are just, you know, despicable. I, I just remember just being really hard on myself. And I, I, I remember I walked, like we got, we were on a boat. We arrived at this little village. I walk out into this village and I walk off by myself in the jungle. And I'm just kind of angry thinking about this situation. And I fall on the ground and I'm kind of bawling my eyes out. I fall on my hands. 
hands and knees, and I have bugs all over me. And, I'm, and I, I, I yelled out to God, like screamed out to God, whatever you have to do and however you have to do it, humble me. I don't think I realized really what I was praying in that moment. Uh, But what I do realize is uh, that's one of those prayers that I believe that God will answer pretty much 100% of the time if you ask it. Uh, But that's what I prayed. So in that moment, nothing happened. I got up, I brushed the bugs off of me. I made sure no one was watching that exchange I had with God. And I walked back uh, to the missionaries. Two weeks later, I head back to the States. About two weeks after I get back to the States, I, I uh, had a dream. And I want to say right now that some of the things I'm going to share tonight are maybe a little bit strange. And I understand they're still strange for me. And some of these things I'm still unpacking today and, tr- and figuring out exactly what God was doing. And some of the things maybe I'll never understand his perspective until I get to heaven. But I want to be clear that some of the things I talk about, I'm not trying to make any theological statement today. I'm not trying to say this is exactly how God works all the time. I'm not saying that. I'm just going to tell you what happened. And I'm going to tell you how I interpreted it in the moment. And I had this dream. And in the dream, uh, I saw myself and the phone was ringing. And I answer the phone and I say hello. And on the other line was Satan. And now he didn't say, hey, it's Satan. He didn't say that, but I knew instinctually in the dream, even though I couldn't even understand the language he was speaking, I just knew instinctually this is Satan talking to me. And I also instinctually knew that he was speaking a curse over me. And so in the dream, it just felt this evil presence. And I, I, I woke up and I still felt that evil presence. And I began to pray, uh, come Holy Spirit, help me Jesus. And in, in, um, it, I felt the, the, the presence leave and I felt peace come over me. And I really felt in my heart that God spoke to me. And he said, Christopher, you're, you're about to enter into a difficult chapter in your life. But my sense was I didn't feel like God was telling me for me to feel fear. I didn't feel fear. It was almost the sense that I got was God was saying, but it's okay. I'm still here and I'm going to allow this to happen. And I know that's confusing. Again, I'm not going to, I could probably do a whole teaching on that, uh, but I'm not going to get into that today. But that's what happened. And I called my dad right afterwards and I shared this dream with him and he confirmed that he thought maybe that was what it meant as well. About a month after that, I began to start having some discomfort in my belly. And it started as a a slight discomfort, but it grew and grew and grew and I got sicker and sicker and sicker to the point where I was basically felt like I was dying. I literally felt like my insides were rotting out. That was the best way I could explain it. And I was throwing up. I had lost a ton of weight. I was about 130 pounds. I was in and out of the ER and they just kept on sending me home with like antacids thinking I ate something wrong or something. But eventually after a few months, they they figured out I have Crohn's disease. 
But they, they said, you know, Christopher, you don't just have Crohn's disease, but you have an ex- extremely aggressive Crohn's disease. And uh, in short, Crohn's disease is uh, basically my immune system attacks my intestines. That's in short. And from that point on, just started a chapter of sickness. And I was, I was really sick constantly. And the doctors could not find a, a, a medication that actually worked for me. It was basically going to the ER, spending the, a week in the, ER, uh, in the hospital, getting out for a little bit, heading back to the ER, spending more time. And it was, that was my life for a while. And even though I, I remembered that dream, after more and more time passed, that memory became a distant memory. And I began to lose myself. I began to fall apart emotionally. And I don't know if any of you have dealt with chronic illness or chronic pain or know people have dealt with chronic pain, but when you're in pain day after day, every hour of the day, it messes with you psychologically. And that's really what happened to me. And also, it's, I'm not, again, like I'm watching my mom walk through cancer right now. I wish I was at 20, 21 years old as mature as my mom and to walk through it as gracefully as she does. But I was not mature enough for that. And I, was, I didn't know how to handle. Because what I, it wasn't just about the pain. It was watching all my dreams just kind of crumble. I couldn't work. All my dreams of traveling, maybe being a missionary, touring with bands, all this was off the table. I couldn't really, it was really difficult to have a girlfriend at that time. Like not, I was just constantly sick. And I, I began to just really lose hope in life. Now, again, this didn't happen over a month. It's not like I got this disease and then uh, a month later I lost all hope. But this is happening over years at a time. This is happening over years. The doctors continued to have difficulty keeping my disease under control. So during that time, they began to prescribe me narcotics. Uh, and heavy doses of Oxycontin. Probably now you guys can see where the story is going to go. And again, I developed an addiction to the Oxycontin, but it wasn't instant. It wasn't like they gave me Oxycontin and I was addicted from there on out. It was something that grew slowly. And one thing I, I say to my church in Brazil a lot, and I say to people a lot, I'll say to you, it is absolutely true that God has a plan for your life. That is true. God has a plan for your life. That is true. Absolutely. But it is also true that the enemy has a plan for your life as well. That is also absolutely true. And the enemy is not an idiot. He's been doing his job for a long time. It didn't happen that I was doing well with the Lord and then I became a drug addict the next day. But there was a small compromise after a small compromise after a small compromise each day. And so by the time I really got to my worst, where I was taking heavy, heavy doses of Oxycontin, probably 250 to 300 milligrams of Oxycodone every day. I know some of you are doing the math. It's true. And buying heroin off the street, 
by the time I got to that point, years, years later, the steps were never big. Each step was a small step. And this is just kind of a lot of times how sin works generally. For example, if, if you have a husband who cheats on his wife, I, I'd never really seen a situation where there's a healthy marriage, they're investing in their marriage, and then all of a sudden the husband cheats on his wife. It generally doesn't happen that way. There's many compromises that came prior to that. And so a lot of times we think this little compromise is not that big of a deal, but that's the plan of the enemy. That's always his plan. So my life became a mess. And it wasn't just about the drugs. I had just lost all connection to God. And again, this is happening over a long period of time. And it got to its worst. Uh, I was living with my girlfriend, doing drugs pretty much 24 hours a day. I never left a room. I stayed in the same room day after day. The only time I left was to buy drugs. This is true. I began to feel like I really wish I was free from this. Because one detail, actually, I forgot this last night. One detail that's important is the doctors during this time, one doctor actually found medicine that worked for me, that put my disease in remission. But because I had multiple doctors, I didn't fill in all my other doctors that information and just kept them being prescribed medicine, the narcotics. So my, my, the narcotics had nothing to do with my pain anymore. They had to do with my mental pain because what I realized about how this, these drugs worked is when I was on them was the only time that I kind of felt peace. When I was on them was the only time that I felt any type of hope. When I was not on them, I was miserable. That's how I felt. But I began to think, man, Christopher, you're going to die. This is, I had watched friends overdose. I know I had come close to overdosing multiple times. And I began to just feel evil around me in that room. But I was so scared of even attempting to stop. Even when I would try to cut down a little bit, it just seemed miserable. But it wasn't just, it wasn't just the physical withdrawal that I was scared of. There was a huge, huge path of destruction left behind me from these past years of people I had hurt, the people I loved the most, my parents, my brother, my sister. I had lied to them. I had stole from them. I had hurt them. And that was hard to think you're going to have to come face to face with that because the drugs are what kind of masked that. It kind of pushed it down. I didn't have to think about it when I was on the drugs. But one, I, I began one day, something happened. I decided, I decided I'm going to pray for the first time in years. Now, my prayer wasn't a very elaborate prayer. It was a very short prayer, but I prayed one night, help me, God, just that. And then the next night I prayed that again, help me God. And I continued to just pray that one prayer for, I don't remember exactly how long, for a few months. And one day I woke up, I'm not sure really exactly why God chose this day, but I woke up and I had this feeling within me, today is the day that you're going to start your recovery. I don't know why I felt that, but I felt that. 
And there was just a glimmer of hope, like maybe I can get out of this. I called my dad and I said, dad, we got to talk. I go to the house, I, I lay it all out for him. He knew stuff was up, but he didn't realize the extent of it. But we went to the doctor, got meds to help me come off, and I began my process of getting clean. I wish I could tell you from that point on, life got great, I stayed clean, and everything was perfect, and I became a missionary. I wish that was the rest of the story, but that's not what happened. What happened was, the next chapter of my life was almost as bad as the first one, is that it just became a battle of trying to stay clean, relapsing, trying to stay clean, relapsing. And most of my relapses were because I felt so broken after that. I couldn't find life again. It was like for years I felt like I feel dead inside. I feel empty inside and I don't know how to change it. I don't know how to connect with God again. Everything I do doesn't work. Everything I do just feels dry. And I had those conversations with my brother and my dad. And I said, I just feel, I feel dead inside. I feel empty inside and I don't, I don't know the answer. I don't know how to change it. And usually when I would relapse was just out of exhaustion. I just got tired of fighting. But I never got as bad as I was before, but it was like, trying, 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 and then falling, then trying, 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 then falling. That was like the next chapter of my life. But I was doing my best. I really was. I was trying. And I, I don't think there was anybody who wanted to really get their life together more than I did at that point. But I just could not seem to do it. And I literally felt like I was just waiting to die. That was like my mentality. This is your present reality. You broke something within yourself when you, with all these past years, and that will never be saved. We'll just wait, and then one day I'll die, and I'll get to go to heaven, and then this pain will be gone. So that continued for years, and I, I began to get a better, better rhythm I began to do a little bit better and I was consistent trying to read my Bible and pray and I was trying to get into ministry again, but it still was just, it, I still didn't feel right in my mind. I felt dead inside, I felt broken. And so that brings me to the next big thing that happened was when I was, I think around 32 years old, uh, I'm 44 now, but when I was 32 years old, um, I, something happened. My parents were in Brazil on a short-term trip and I was staying at their house taking care of their dog and I was just sitting there reading the Bible and praying. And for some reason in that moment, the Holy Spirit came on me. And it was the first time I had felt the Holy Spirit in years. But it was so powerful and it was like, it's hard to explain, but it was literally like complete dryness, complete hopelessness, complete depression, complete anxiety. In an instant, complete hope, complete love, complete peace. And it's hard to explain that it was like in an instant. And I just began to bawl and bawl and bawl. I kind of joke around like that was my personal Pentecost. It felt like that. It was that powerful in my life. I never experienced anything quite like that since. But in that moment, I'm bawling and I'm, I, I began 
to feel like God is speaking to me. And I, I, for the first time in years as well, and I began to see visions. And the first vision I see was me when I was 20 years old, out in the middle of the jungle, falling on the ground saying, God, whatever it takes, however you have to do it, humble me. And then the next thing that I saw was I had a vision. I saw a room. I saw a room. uh, And in this room, I just saw my body laying on the ground, but my body was empty. It was like my skin. It was just like my skin laying on the ground. And I I watched this and I'm, I'm watching my skin just laying there and I'm hearing my voice in my head kind of quoting myself saying, I just feel empty inside. I feel dead inside. And I watched Jesus walk into that room and he, uh, this part's always hard for me to get through. And he takes, he takes my skin like clothes and he starts putting my skin on like clothes. And I heard him say to me, Christopher, I had to empty you out so I could fill you completely with me. And I'm bawling. And I realized in that moment, and it's hard to explain again, but a lot of people have asked me, was it worth it? I just want you guys, I would not change a thing about my life. I wouldn't. In that moment, it felt worth it. It all felt worth it in that moment. Now, the next thing God said to me was crazy. At least it felt crazy to me. The next thing I heard God say to me was, now are you ready to go to Brazil? My first reaction to that was embarrassment. I was like, there is no way. Not just, it wasn't about me. It was like, I can't say that to anybody. People would laugh at me. People would be like, yeah, Christopher is like lost his marbles. There's no way. Like, I can't share that with my parents. So I was like, they know how broken I am. I couldn't share that with the people at the church. They see how broken I am. But there was another feeling I had too, that there was a, I realized in that moment Lord, as long as you stay with me, as long as I can sense your presence, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. And I knew it was true in that moment. But still, I was too embarrassed to say anything to anybody, so I decided to not tell anybody. And I decided I am not going to say a word to this to anybody. I'll continue to pray about it. Maybe in a year from now, I'll open up about that. So I write it down in my journal, but I decide I'm not going to tell anybody. A week later, my parents come back from Brazil, and this is exactly how it happened. They walk in the door, they give me a hug, they sit on the couch, how you doing, things are good. And within five minutes of them being there, they both start talking to me and saying the strangest thing. They say, Christopher, the whole time we were in Brazil, we kept on having these visions of you living there. My first thought was, did I email you guys? I thought I decided not to. I mean, I literally thought that because I was like, it was just too weird. But once we realized that maybe God was speaking to them and speaking to me about the same thing, I said, okay, I'll start taking some steps. I'll start taking some steps in that direction. Maybe in two, three years, I could end up in Brazil if God keeps on opening up doors, but I'll take some small steps. But every step I took, God just opened the door quickly. And I started talking to other pastors and other people in the church and people would even say to me, I see a difference in you. Some of you remember that moment. People are like, it's like a light turned on at me and I can't explain it. And people kept on saying, I feel like God's behind this. And maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense, but I feel like God's behind this. I wrote a letter to the mission. I was very honest with the mission that I'm working for about who I am, my past, expecting them to be like, yeah, let's give it a few years. But they wrote me back and said, no, yeah, you're welcome. 
And about five months after I began to raise support, I was in Brazil. It was fast. And I realized once I got to Brazil, God continued the healing within me. But I've been living in Brazil now for 10 years. I've, I've moved around, we've planted churches. Right now, me and my wife are pastoring two churches. But here's what I realized about life. Here's what I realized, and this is personal, but I think this will apply to every single person here. I know the majority of you have probably never had an opiate addiction. I realize that. And maybe none of you have really dealt with addiction in your life. But here's some things that I think will apply to all of you. What I had decided in my life is I don't want my life, I don't want my life to be a legacy of what Christopher has overcome. And I don't want my life to be a legacy of what I have accomplished. I want my life to be a legacy of a God who rescued me and continues to rescue me daily. I'm going to end here in a minute, but uh, I actually have a video I'm going to show here in, one, in just one minute uh, because I'm not really talking about what's happening now in Brazil. I have a five-minute video that will kind of show some highlights for you guys. But I, real quickly, a few people have asked me, Christopher, what are the keys that you have found in life? What are the keys that you have found to either help you? The same keys that I found help me overcome addiction are the same keys that I still live by today to just live life. And so I, if we can pull those up... Um, and these are basic, but I want to explain. Because to me, this is, I constantly am reminding myself of this, that we need to learn to walk in the light. And what I mean by that is we need to learn to be an open book in community, in a safe community. I had to learn, for example, with addiction, that I can't just confess when I messed up, but I had to talk about my thoughts. I had to talk about my insecurities. I had to talk about even when I had uh, uh, desires to do something wrong. I, I started just opening up and I've continued my life. My church knows me as that. My church knows everything about me. They know everything about my past. And that we continue that. that this is a safe place. Now you still need to be smart about who you're opening up to. I understand that. You do. But I encourage you to get involved in a healthy community and have people who you really trust and that they know everything about you, everything. You will find freedom in your life through that. The second thing is the power of prayer. The thing I've been thinking about is how many people here I know were praying for me. I've heard it. Every group I go to, I have multiple people tell me, I've been praying for you for years when you were struggling. And I know it's because those prayers that helped me get through that. But it's not just their prayers, but I realize looking back at my testimony, sometimes I say, I don't know why God chose this day or I don't know why God chose this day to have these big turns in my life. But there's only one consistent thing that was happening in all those big turns. I was praying. I began to pray. God wants to hear our voice. God wants to communicate to us. Find time to communicate with God. And the last one is learn to say yes moment by moment. And I'm not talking about the big yes, like moving to a new country. But what I've realized is if you're never going to be ready for a big yes if you don't learn to say yes moment by moment in your life. And what I mean by that is, I'm not saying that in a legalistic way. It is true that sometimes God will call you out of sin. That is happens. That happens often. 
But sometimes God's going to just say things to you, hey, I, I need you to rest. I need you to spend more time with your children. I need you to go and talk to that person at the grocery store who seems sad today, and you just learn to just say yes, moment by moment, whatever you have, I will say yes. Just decide it. I will say yes. It's the hardest thing to do. It's the simplest thing, but it's the hardest thing. But the better we become at that, the better life works. Now, I'm going to show this uh, video real quick. I'm probably running a little bit behind. Um, but is that okay? Do we have time? Okay. Uh, sorry, I went longer today than yesterday. You, you, guys, got, you guys got the better story. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, we, we pastor two churches. These are clips from our two churches. Um, and uh, you'll see here just some highlights. You'll see us ordaining our assistant pastors, but you guys can just watch. A guy in our church actually made this for me and sent it to me last week, said, hey, if you want to use this. And it, I thought it was amazing. So. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.